day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Very good. Very good. What an amazing woman of God, hey? Wow. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 17 this morning? Called this message Being, Moving, and Living. Our, our, our little um, our little Arabella, who's now a three-nager, is um, <laughs> she loves the uh, she loves that um, "I Am a Child of God" song, and she walks around the house singing, "You you cut the sea so I couldn't walk right through it." I am a child of God. She sings it over and over again, and and the um, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. It's funny when you're hearing a three-year-old sing that. She's got no idea what she's saying, but. Um, you know, it's, it's just beautiful to see the influence, you know what I mean, of, of um, the church in your children's lives, isn't it? And uh, what a privilege. I just honour you all for, for, you know, how you deposit in the lives of each other. Because, you know, you don't realise that, you know, we, we listen to thousands of messages in our lives, but the, the greatest thing that you can do is just love the person next to you. And you love them by forgiving them or apologising to them. You know what I mean? What, you know, we've got the privilege, you know, of, of having, um, you know, Marlene Tyrrell in our, in our church. You know, Pastor Marlene and Pastor Rod, who's, who's now left us to go and be with the Lord, you know, they basically pioneered the Pentecostal movement in this town. And uh, so we honour you today. You know, it's your 80th birthday, but wow. We thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that we, we, can't, we cannot imagine that that, that, that would have uh, taken. And, uh, and uh, she's a mighty woman of God and we're blessed and honoured that she, she, she calls this place home now. In Acts 17, we know those famous, those famous words that the Apostle Paul says. He says, in him, uh, we, we, in him we live and move and have our being. But I want to start from verse 22. We're going to go back a bit. Uh, Paul's in Athens and... Uh, and he is he's speaking to um, some Athenians, obviously. So uh, let's read from verse 22. Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, which is Mars Hill, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, said to the unknown God. Therefore... The one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you today. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands and though he, though, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men 
to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, that he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So here we have Paul. He's speaking to the people of Athens. And, uh, you know, he's, he's speaking to people who, who do not know God. And they actually serve many gods. They, they're, they're, not, they're not believers in one God. They serve many gods and they worship many gods. And, they, and there's an awareness of this, this unknown God. They don't, know, they don't know God, but they know there is, there is something else. And, you know, we see in other parts of Acts where Paul's talking to the Jews, it's different, isn't it? When, when, the, other, when the other apostles are talking to the Jews, it's about, it's about the miraculous, isn't it? It's about the, there's signs and wonders and things that lead people, um, that lead people into, into knowing God. There's prophecies fulfilled from the Old Testament. But a prophecy fulfilled from the Old Testament doesn't mean anything to a Greek because they, they weren't part of those prophecies. So he spoke in a different way, didn't he? To the, you know, we, 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 to the Greeks, it was different. It was about considering the providence of God, the creation of God, and the worship of that creator. He instructs them that there is one true God, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. It's him I proclaim to you today, church. He shows them, he shows the Greeks that they themselves recognize that there was something missing. There was something missing in the Greek wisdom. By setting up an altar to the unknown God, they they were recognizing that there was something missing in all of their wisdom. See, Athens was a place that was supposed to have the monopoly of wisdom. But there was something that they were missing and they knew it and they even had to make an icon to this unknown God so that they could worship the unknown God. Here's the point. The wisdom of the world cannot see God. It cannot see God. The best it can do, though, is, is, is understand that whatever it achieves, it's not quite enough. It's not quite enough. There's still something more. Whatever the world, you notice that, you know, when, whatever we achieve in life, we're always seeking something more. There's like, there's this elusiveness. There's this elusive thing in life that we're seeking. And, it, and, and we don't know what it is. It's this unknown thing that we seek in life. And I'm here to declare to you today that that elusive thing that you're seeking, that thing that you're searching for, that X factor in life that you're looking for, this is God. And you go, yeah, yeah, I know. But does your life show it? You see, I know that, that, that God is the missing, the missing elusive X factor in my life in the areas that I haven't given over to him, but I'm still seeking something beyond God or something different to God because you know, I feel like there's this other X factor, there's this other elusive thing that I've got to go and get that will satisfy me, that will complete me, that will make me whole. But God's saying no. Paul says, I proclaim to you today that this, un-God, this unknown God that you are worshipping is the one true God who will make you whole, who will make you complete, who will satisfy you beyond your understanding. And it's quite, I think it's quite important that we look at these scriptures of, of Paul talking to, to, the, to, the, to the Athenians because 
because they're similar to us. You know, we're in this information and, and knowledge age right now, aren't we? And we're, we're seeking information and, and, and we're very much like them. Verse 21, just before we start, it says this, those who spent their time at Mars Hill spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some, some new thing. That's what they were into. They were into seeking knowledge, seeking wisdom. You know, and we've made a, we've made a whole industry, we've made a whole social media about finding out something that we don't know. You know have, you, have you seen the latest you know, goat video on YouTube imitating Mariah Carey songs? You know what I mean? There's some wisdom out there that we can get our hands on these days. We're similar. We're in a similar age to, to that we're seeking wisdom. We're seeking science. We're seeking understanding. We're seeking to understand. And God's, but, what, but what we really need to do is we need to discover the king of all kings. And one of the ways that we discover the one living true God is by the works of his creation and his providence. Isn't creation the most amazing thing? You know, by his creation, the origins of life, they're important because they actually create the foundation of our belief. The foundation of our beliefs is based on where we came from. Consider creation for a moment. If we did evolve over millions of years, or billions of years, whatever, current, whatever the current number is. Think of your soul. When did your soul transition from just a living soul to a sensing soul to an understanding soul? At what point did that happen? At what point did you, did you gain a free will? At what point did you gain uh, a sense, of, you know, a sense of, of understanding that you can make a decision that something is you know, of God or not of God, or a, re- or a relationship is healthy or unhealthy. At what point did that happen? And when did mankind lose connection with God? You know, there's, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of believers around the world now who are, who are, who are accepting the, the combination of Genesis chapter 1 and, and, and the Big Bang all coming together. And, and here's my question for you. When did man fall? When did, if mankind evolved slowly, at what point did he lose connection with God? And if that didn't happen, or if there's no point in time that man didn't lose connection with God or didn't have connection with God, then what's the point of Jesus Christ coming and saving us? Verse 24, God made the world and all things in it. He is the rightful owner, the proprietor and possessor of all beings, powers and riches of the world, material and immaterial, visible and invisible. He's the creator. He is the author. He is the owner. He is the proprietor. He is the source. You see, if the world just happened, then no one owns anything. No one has any rights or any responsibility. This is talking to the wisdom of Athens, the greatest level of wisdom that humanity knew at that point in time. We're in the similar age that we know more now than we've ever known. God's speaking a freshness to us. He's saying, will you honour me in my creation today? Will you respect the fact that I am the source of life, that I breathe life into you, that I breathe my Holy Spirit into you, that I am the proprietor, that I do own the cattle on a thousand hills, that I formed you, and not only did I form you, that I, I allow, I sustain you. 
Not only did God create you, but he sustained you. Not only did he breathe life into you, but he creates the air that you get to breathe every day. We go out of our way trying to contaminate that air, but he still keeps filtering it through the leaves. He keeps filtering it through the leaves. You know, we look around, when you see Arabella outside, you say, who's responsible for that child? <laughs> you know what? God's, when we say that about humanity, God's saying, I am. He said, I am responsible. I created you. I gave you a free will. So I'm going to give you a saviour that will, that will connect you to restoring that relationship. I'm going to, I've, I've given you, I've given you a, the gift of life. I gave you the gift of breath first when you were born and now I'm giving you the gift of eternal life through my son. He's the father almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. He's made a way for every offspring, every person of humanity to engage with him, to re-engage with him, to be restored, to be redeemed, to be set free, to be lifted up, to be whole again, to be complete, all those things that we're searching for. And it goes on, it says, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Here's the thing about our worship. Our worship is not needed by God. But it's the natural response of our connection to him. He doesn't need us. He created us. He doesn't need a response from us. But our response of worship is just the natural consequence of someone connected to the king of all kings. Someone who honours the author of life. Church, it's time we gave credit to the author. It's time we gave respect to the giver of life. It's time to, that, we, that every aspect of our lives gave honour to the king of all kings. Our worship is not needed by God, but it's the natural response of our connection to him. goes on, he says, He made one blood. Of one blood, all nations of men. He made the first person. He made the first person. And he's continually making. Continually giving life and sustaining life. He's the maker of every person's body and the father of every person's spirit. He made us of one blood and of the same nature. Why is this important? It's important that we understand that we come from one because as we look around the world, the world is, is full of division. The world is full of nations and people groups and, 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 and religions and, and sects that are, that are divided all over the planet. And God's saying, if you will trust me that I am the creator and that I created you all of one blood, it creates something in us. It creates a kindness in us. It creates a respect and a compassion in us. It gives us the, 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 the leaning on us to give assistance to those in need. You see, we get caught sometimes you know, in, the, in the, um, the sovereignty of our own nation, but not the sovereignty of our God. We get completely upset when another um, country has capital punishment and one of our people gets, gets taken into that nation uh, to, and, and gets caught in one of their crimes and has to, and has to be put, put to death. But we don't get upset when one of their people gets put to death. Why is that? 
See, God wants to open our eyes to a bigger picture. Isn't it beautiful that we've got Ibu Tina in the house today because it opens our eyes that our connection, it's not about Australia. We don't, you know, we, we're, not, you know, we're not giving a handout to Tina. She is revealing to us what a mighty woman of God looks like. God has not called us to feel sorry for, for people who live in different countries of ours. He's called us to engage with them and to, and to understand them and to learn from them and to do life with them and to respect them and to give assistance and to receive assistance. We've got Pastor Felix and Allah from the Solomon Islands with us again today. You know, we can... We can sing and worship and do all the things that we do, but you know, we can, I can go over into, into a church on the top of a little hill called Tehila in the Solomon Islands and listen to Ella worship and I go, we've got much to learn. Hey, we honour you guys today. You are you're mighty people of God. <laughs> Here's the thing. Your nation defines your mission's platform. It does not define your identity. Hey, you know, I, I, some of the things I love to do is to defeat a, a good New Zealander or an Englishman, you know. And, uh, but it's, it's, you know, we, ha- we have great fun in that. But at the end of the day, we're all created from one blood. God wants us to open our eyes and to not make judgments based. You know, it's a privilege to be born in the country that you're born in. You know, I went to China a few times over the last few years and I was under the impression that everybody is trying to get out of China. And I realised when I got there, they love it. They love where they live. They, they, they are full of pride about their nation. And I think, isn't it amazing that we all think that where we're from is the best place on earth? Hey, when we're running in, we know you know, when we're... When we're Looking at the Olympics, you know, we barrack for our nation more than anything else, don't we? But isn't it great? Do you know what I love is the 100-metre sprint? Because it doesn't actually matter what nation you're from because you're just in awe that that person who wins that race, who breaks that world record, is the fastest person on earth. He is the fastest part of God's creation that can understand. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing to see someone run 100 metres in whatever it is? What's the record now? 9.7? 9.6? Wow, that's fast. I can run it in 29.7. Ash Sawood can run it in a minute, 29.7, and, uh, which he showed us this morning on the running track. You see, we see God in his creation. And we also see it in his providence. Verse 26 says this. It says, He has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God determined when in history you would live and where your influence would be. For some reason, I was born in 1974 in Perth, WA. Slipped down to Esperance for a little while to pick up my wife. Then we came over to Noosa for a few years and then we ended up in Rome. That's what I've heard. That's how it's going to end, what I've heard. But uh, it's a pre-appointed by the Lord, of, you know. You know, I got an amazing gift from the, from the team in the church this week. Last week was my birthday and they gave, they gave me a book 
and it was the front page of the New York Times on my birthday from 1974 all the way through to this year. Is that the, cool, is that the coolest gift? What an amazing thing, hey, to look at the news, what was going on in, in the New York Times on my birthday for the last 27 years. So thank you very much to those guys. Here's the thing with the sovereignty of God. It cannot be challenged. You cannot challenge the sovereignty of God. You cannot change who you are. You cannot change where you're born. You cannot change who your parents are. You can change the colour of your hair. You, know, you, can cha- you, can, you can give yourself a facelift. I was saying to Kristen, you know, now that I've, now that I've hit 27, I feel the weight of my brow coming down and I feel like I have to lift my eyebrows just to look while I'm driving. So I can understand... You know, I can understand why Paul Hogan got the facelift. And uh, isn't it interesting, the questions of humanity? When does a life become a life? Can I control the number of children that I have? Who do I get to marry? Can I determine the date of my own dying? Is my gender fluid? What are the origins of earth? What are the origins of people? All questions that seek answers outside of God will leave us with a crisis of identity. All questions that seek answers outside of God will leave us with a crisis of identity. Look at the questions that the world's asking. The world's seeking the world's wisdom on all of these things. And it's a battle. We don't, even, we don't even know how to respond to them without judgment as a church. You know, we need to learn how to seek God on how to answer people who are asking the questions of us. We need to seek God in how to answer these questions so that when we bring to them, we don't actually condemn their identity. We introduce them to their identity. Isn't it amazing that we can get caught um, causing people shame when God's cause called us to give them life? Our time are in his hands. He's, he's appointed and determined the time of our coming into the world. Have you, ever, have you ever thought, man, I wish I was born in a different era? Or, man, I think I belong in a different era. I find myself reading books that, you know, if a book's not a thousand years old, I'm pretty well not reading it these days. And I, and I you know, I, I look at, you know, I go, man, I was probably meant to be born with Thomas Kempis and Thomas Aquinas and, you know, St. Benedict and, you know, Gregory the Great and all these amazing authors. And I think I should have been living back then, probably in Rome. And... Ecclesiastes 3 says, look, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Here's what's interesting. The feeling of displacement in this world may actually be God calling you to seek him. If you feel displaced in relationship or location or the time that you live, ask God this question. Is this you calling me God? Is this you reminding me that I am not from here? that I'm an ambassador of your hope, not a, not, a part of, not a part of the earth's puzzle, but a part of the heaven's answer to the earth's puzzle. Verse 27 says, verse 27 says, it says, 
you know, he, he, he talks about that he's, he's ordained where we're going to live and what, what time we're going to live. And then verse 27 says, 27 says this, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, that he is not far from each one of us. It's interesting that it uses the word grope, isn't it? Because it's one of those words that, that says, you, you, you know, you, you, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, once you hit a certain age, you know, you, 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 you need to go to the bathroom and the lights are all off, you kind of feel along the walls, don't you? You kind of walk along and you, you grope your way along to the bathroom and, and pray that there's no kids' toys on the floor and, and, uh, and, you, and, and you find your way. You see, before we know God, we're in the dark. And we're searching by feel. This is why it's so important for us who do know God to intercede light on behalf of those who don't know God because they're groping around. One, they, don't, they know that there's an unknown something somewhere that they're seeking. They know there's this elusive X factor in life that they're seeking, but they're groping around in the dark. And they think it's in money. They think it's in relationships. They think it's in houses. They think it's in fame. They think it's in all these things. But God's saying, no, this unknown, elusive X factor that you're all searching for is me. Will you worship me today? He's closer than you think, church. Even, in, even us who call ourselves um, believers, even us who worship him, you know, he, there's areas of our lives that we're still seeking outside of his will and outside of his goodness and outside of, of his call. He's, we're seeking for something outside of him and he's saying, church, it's me. Will you worship me today? Will you worship me tomorrow? God is everywhere. He has his eye upon us at all times. And here's the thing. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than you know yourself. David says in Psalms, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? We cannot escape God. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He's, sorry, he's omniscient. He is all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. All-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, living God, and we cannot see him because we're blinded, because we're seeking the wrong thing. Will you seek me today, says the Lord. Verse 28, here's that verse. In him we live and move and have our being. Whether you acknowledge it or not, we have a constant dependence on his providence. Like a tree has dependence on the sun, so we have dependence on God. We may not acknowledge his existence. We may not, we may, we may not even understand what he does for us, but we lean on him. We draw from him without even realising it. We don't realise that when he said, let there be light, that statement still rings. We don't realise when he says, when he breathed breath of life into us, he sustains that breath of life in us until there's a time to die. We spend so much of our life trying to control, you know, you know we spend the first half of our life you know, outside of God, we, all, we spend all of our life trying to stay alive. And then right at the end of our life now, we're trying to argue that we want to go early. In him we live. God is our life and the length of our days. 
Every part of your life is full of God's purpose. You know, see how we're always trying to be a different age than we are? We're always trying to look a bit younger, or when you're young, you're trying to look a bit older. You know, when you're little, you're trying to be big. Daddy, I'm, big, I'm a big girl. Arabella says, when I'm a big boy like you, Daddy, I'm going to... There's that gender fluidity again. Every part of your life is full of God's purpose. Here's the challenge. Own your season, church. Own the season you're in. God has called you to be younger or older than you are. He's called you to be right where you are. In fact, he ordained you to be in this place at this time. He ordained that they don't, don't go, oh, I wish I was a bit older. I wish I was a bit younger. I wish I was a bit fitter. I wish I looked this. He's saying, own it, church. Own your season. Whatever your season is in, God wants to use you in it and he wants to bless someone through it and he wants to release his authority through you. And the way that we release the authority of God is accepting who he's called us to be at this moment in time. Own your season. It's only his power and goodness and fatherly care that our frail lives are even prolonged. Number two, in him we move. Our minds, our emotions, our affections and decisions, they're given to us and they're sustained by God. God caused... And enable, he caused our existence and enables our choices. Isn't it amazing to have a God who is good but actually enables us making bad choices? That's how much he wants to give you free will. He gives you enough free will that, that you know, who gives you complete free will so that you can choose whatever you want to do. But he's encouraging you to choose life. He's saying, look, before you I live, I give you life and death. By the way, Go for the life. Before you, I have blessing and curse. Go for the blessing. He sustains your choices. He caused you to exist and he sustains every choice. And he's, but he's, he's also given you his Holy Spirit to lead you. But he wants you to choose. God doesn't want you to be blind. He doesn't want to, you know, we just, don't you feel like sometimes that we just want God to take possession of us and of our bodies and say, Lord, just, just can you help me do the right thing, Lord? saying, no, you need to choose. He says, I've given you a choice. He says, it's all before you. He's saying, but if, you relate, if you're in relationship with me, you will choose life and you will be blessed and you will be healed and set, free, set freed and delivered and full of hope. And then when someone asks you, you'll be ready to explain the hope that is in you. And in him, we have our being. You know, there's a difference between Existing and being. All of humanity has the potential of what is true, what is good and what is beautiful. When I think of God, you know, these are great statements of, that we know. If you read books that are over a thousand years old, you'll realise this, that, um, that you know, God is true. He is good and he is beautiful. He gives us all those things. You know, when you see a beautiful piece of art, that's part of the goodness. That's part of the beauty of God being released through the artist. When you see something that's true, when you learn something that's true, that's the truth of God. All truth is God's truth. All goodness is God's goodness and all beauty is God's beauty. The true, the good and the beautiful have their source in God. 
You know, we see in Romans 1, God speaks of giving them up to uncleanness. You know, he gives them up to things that aren't beautiful. Truth is swapped for lies. They worship the creature instead of the creator. In him we live and move and have our being. You see, we are the offspring of God, church. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to make a proclamation to you today. God made the world and everything in it. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. He gives life to us all, breath and all things. He's determined when and where we will live so that we will seek him. He is always close. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. We are his offspring. Will you worship him today, church? Will you seek to give credit to the author of life? Will you seek to explain your hope in the language of God? Will you seek to align your identity with the things of heaven, not the things of this world? Will you acknowledge the source? Will you acknowledge that every good thing, every beautiful thing, every piece of truth you know, he is the source. He is the source of hope. He is the source of life. He is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. He caused you. God caused you to exist and he sustains your free will. Even when you're rebelling, God sustains your ability to rebel. Isn't that an amazing thing that he allows us to do? But he's calling on you, church, and he's saying, stop fighting what is good. Stop fighting truth. Stop fighting what is beautiful. Because if you will seek me, you will find me. He's saying, as you grope around in the dark, he says, I'm very close. Let's acknowledge the source of life this morning. In this information and knowledge age that we live in, let's acknowledge that he is the creator of all. He is the sustainer of all. And he is completely sovereign. He is calling on you to own the season that you're living in. He's calling on you to speak life. He's calling on you to explain the real reason of the hope that's in your life. Praise be to our God the one true God. Father, today we glorify your mighty name. We thank you that you have given us life. We thank you that you are our source, Lord. Father, we repent when we have taken credit. Father, we, we, we want to walk away from those decisions that are, that, are, that are hurting us and hurting those around us, Father. Lord, we want to ask questions in relation to you, not in relation to ourselves, Lord. We want our identity to be secure, not in crisis, Lord. We want to be the answer to the world, not the judge of the world, Father. We want to be the, we want to be the source of your hope, Lord, not, the, not, the, not those who, who cannot explain the hope that is in them, Father. You are our hope. We praise you, Lord. We honour you, Lord. We glorify your name. We lift it up. We declare that our, we are beneath you. We are under, Father, your glory, and we give honour to your glory this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship, church.